Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Seton Hall Undergraduate Leaders Podcast. I am Audrey Pennington, the current student director of the podcast, and today I'm your host. For this episode, we are doing something a little different. I am here with the Institute's executive director and my mentor and friend, Dr. Brian Price. Typically, I would interview him, but since this is the last podcast episode I will produce and release as its director, we'll be interviewing each other to talk about both the Institute and the podcast as they've evolved over the years. But first, allow me to introduce him. Dr. Brian Price is the executive director of the Bucino Leadership Institute and the founder of Top Mental Game, a performance and mental skills coaching program for young athletes. He has accomplished many other things, and if you want to learn more about him as a person and as a leader, check out episode 18, where I interviewed him almost exactly two years ago. But today, I will mostly be asking him about his journey with the Leadership Institute. Audrey Pennington, the reigning director of our podcast and outgoing. So this is uh, this is your last ballyhoo here. And the fact that you just said that we talked, you know, we did the live interview two years ago. Man, a lot has changed in those two a years. A lot has. Um, to include with yourself. Yeah. So um, I'm really excited to do this. And when have we ever done anything conventional at the Bucino <laughs> Leadership Institute? So uh, you'll ask me a few questions, and then I got a few for, for you as well. All right. Sounds good. So my first is is pretty broad, just as an overview for our listeners who've they haven't seen all the behind the scenes, what's going on here at the Institute. How has the Institute changed from whenever we last spoke on the podcast two years ago? Obviously, we have the whole pandemic, but how what does the Institute look like now versus then? Yeah, this is something where I am super proud of where we are, but I'm not even close to satisfied as to where we can be. And so, as you well know, I am a fan of relentless improvement. And I'm proud to say that the state of the Institute is strong. We are just about to bring all of our, you know, we're going to be fully operational here in the fall. So we will have over 300 students in the program, which puts us we are already about the size of the College of Education and Human Services. In the fall, we will be larger than the, the School of Diplomacy and International Relations. And so we are, we have a lot of students in the program. So that's, that's I pre- probably the one biggest change. The second one is we now have essentially a four-year curriculum. And the magical parts of the Institute was we had to build the airplane while it was in flight, so to speak. And so you were the, unfortunately, both the beneficiary and had to endure all that because we've made, as I mentioned, relentless improvement to, to the program since, since you've been in. And I think to me, we are doing some of the most innovative leadership development at the college level for a variety of reasons. And if I could just touch upon the things that I'm probably most proud about, this is one of them, right? So one of the things that I think is very unique at the Institute is the ability for us to give students real world opportunities to lead, to lead interdisciplinary teams. That's another component of it. And to do so through the mindset of it's not to get results, but it's largely geared towards leadership development. And so while I am so proud that we've put out, uh, how many episodes are we up to at this point? This will be, I'm pretty sure the 63rd. (laughs) (laughs) So, which is amazing in and of itself, you know, the, the 63 episodes so that's great. And I think we've, you know, we've used this as a tool of thought leadership, which has been fantastic. But what I'm more proud of is the leadership development that was behind the scenes and that has what it takes to put on a weekly podcast and all of its uh, challenges with an interdisciplinary team. So 
to me, it's it's the opportunities. And, and by the way, the opportunities that we have exist, maybe we can talk about interdisciplinary teams, those projects, the IDT projects that we run in the springtime. We can talk about some of our other initiatives. But to me, it's all about opportunities, the feedback that you're able to get as a leader and advance your own leadership development, and to do it in an interdisciplinary, comprehensive, four-year program there's nothing like it. There's nothing like it in the country. You know, outside of the military academies, this program is unique. And I feel very comfortable saying that. Absolutely. I agree. hundred percent. Are you ready for me to ask you a question? I'm very ready. I'm this excited. Dueling interviewers here. Yeah. So let's start with you at the beginning. What made you apply to the Leadership Institute? It, this, it didn't exist. You know, it existed in the Stillman School of Business, but not in the College of of communication in the arts, which you are a proud member of. So what can you go back to your high school time and what made you want to apply? Absolutely. So I was visiting for Pirate Preview. I was here and we went into the theater in the round, me and, you know, the handful of other Comarts kids that attended. I didn't know any of them, obviously. I think I was with my dad and I listened to Dr. James Kimball speak in the theater in the round and he what he described was not what I expect. It's not what I ended up getting into. What were you um, like the uh, snake oil salesman to you into? No, what I ended up getting into was far greater than what I could have ever imagined. I mean, where I am today, if had I known, I mean, I it would have blown my mind what I, I had no idea what I was getting into. But it was just sort of like a lot of my decisions that I made early freshman year it was just sort of, it felt right. I felt I at least need to apply, you know, they, they might not accept me. Um, but he said, you know, a group of 11, 11 undergraduates, all com arts majors, you know, I thought that's an instant friend group. And I, at the time I didn't consider myself, you know, I, I wasn't, I didn't consider myself a leader. I gotta say, I didn't apply because I thought leadership, I'm a leader. No, not at all. I, I thought, you know, that's an opportunity. And I, I got to at least try. I got to put my foot out there. And so I did. And, you know, I got in. I remember exactly where I was. I was in, I was on a family vacation at the beach in Galveston, <laughs> Texas. And I was sitting at this one of our favorite restaurants and I got the email. I, oh my God, I got in. All right. What do I do now? It's, you know, I was super intimidated. I was emailing with somebody with a PhD. That's very intimidating when you're a freshman. <laughs> you know, you get used to it after a while. And I, I don't know. I just, I just thought, well, here we go. We'll see what this is. And whenever I arrived and, you know, Dean Yates and I met Mike Reuter for the first time. And I was like, oh my gosh, you know, this man is like a ray of sunlight. He's, he makes you <laughs> feel just incredible about yourself. I felt so empowered after that first meeting in the, in the Stillman library on the sixth floor, when we all sort of, we all sort of came together. And I just, I was like, what, what am I, what is this? This is something far greater than I am. So I've, let me just have, I have to ask the follow-up here. Yeah. Um, I know we're supposed to be doing interviews here, but so you didn't see yourself as a leader prior to coming in. How would like, what do you see in yourself now? Now, now I see in myself, I see back then I was just, I don't know. I just, I wasn't, all I can think of to describe it is now I see myself as a force. I see myself as some, someone who's capable Love of it. making change. Yeah. Somebody who's capable of making change. And if there's something I want to get done, if there's something that I want to change that I want to do that I want to accomplish, I, I, I think to myself, I can do that. I am capable of doing that. And that's what the podcast has given me is that I was, you know, again, with the podcast, I didn't know what I was stepping into. I just thought that's something 
that I think I could, I could do and I could do well. And whenever you sent me the email back saying that I had gotten the position, I thought, I, this is going to be insanely hard, but I'm going to throw everything I have, everything I am into this. And the podcast be, immediately came, went to the top of my list of priorities in school, you know, above honors, above servant leadership, you know, which is very important. But it became, I thought everything I have, I'm going to give this and just see what happens, see what what I'm capable of. And that's sort of the mindset I went into. And I'm very glad that's the mindset I went into it with. So I think the fact that I didn't view myself as a leader early on sort of helped in a way it sort of helped me grow and go into it with that sort of open mindset that I didn't go in thinking, you know, I'm, I'm going to be the boss. I thought, no, I'm going to, I'm going to make this happen. And, you know, I'm, I'm going to put everything I am into this. And that's sort of the mindset that I, I still have today. You know, it's, it's still at the top of my list of priorities. So yeah, that, that not only warms my heart, but it reminds me of, uh, we just had our IDT presentations last week for our freshmen and sophomores. And one of the freshmen made the recommendation of changing our motto. We make leaders better to where leadership is learned. And you, I think just kind of gave like the, <laughs> the perfect answer for like, like leadership, you can learn it and uh, you can practice it and you can get good at it um, as you have. All right. I can't dominate this. interview. <laughs> so I, I have to throw it back to you for a question. It's all good. It's all good. Have you, do you feel that you yourself devel have developed as a leader and grown and changed from whenever, you know, you came in this, this big Lieutenant Colonel and we were all, we were all sort of in awe whenever we first, we first met you because we thought he's so accomplished. He's done so much. But now it's like, you know, you add other things on top of that. How have you changed in these past two, three years, however long it's been? Yeah, it's so, yeah, it's coming up at the end of my third year here. I think, well, let me say one of the principles we try to instill on our leaders at the Institute, and I just think it's just a kind of a fundamental first principle of leadership is leaders are learners at their very heart. And when you stop learning, I think you stop leading. So as a leader, you never really make it. No matter what you've accomplished in life, no matter what title you hold, what promotions that you've gotten, the moment you think that you've made it and you're like comfortable, you've lost. And I think one of the things that, you know, I did come into this situation, even though I was an officer in the army, I did spend eight years teaching at, at West Point. So I, I, I was familiar with the age group. I was familiar with higher education and, you know, kind of what the academy looked like. And so coming here, but it was very different because I don't have cadets anymore. I have students. And on top of that, I wasn't dealing with students that were taking my classes on counterterrorism and national security. I now had, you know, in your class, we had 83 leaders from 34 different majors. And so how do I, as a leader, try to relate to in, an interdisciplinary group, which was very different from, you know, my professional background, but also students that were, when they graduated, they weren't going into the army. They were going into multiple professions, potentially 83 different professions. And so like, to me, it was a, it, it continues to be a learning experience on how to motivate, inspire, connect, you know, with, with students from that perspective. And then the other thing that, you know, I think I've, I've learned, as you mentioned in the, in the promo, in addition to the Institute, I started my own business, which was terrifying for me, right? Like I don't, I have no business background, and so starting the, 
you know, my business called Top Mental Game, where I work with athletes and business leaders, it's been this cool kind of combination of mental performance and leadership that I find myself, I use some of the same stuff that I use with the, you know, with my athletes that I do with leadership. And I have instilled, you know, for those of you that took my lead 5,000 class and that have been in the Institute, I've exposed you to some of the mental performance tools that I use with my athletes. And to me, and I've been able to do that for some of other Seton Hall's teams as well. You know, the women's golf team that just competed in the Big East championships and coach Shepard and the baseball team. So, you know, to me, it's me personally, there's been a lot of growth and a lot of learning um, because at the end of the day, leadership is about learning and leadership is about people. And so you constantly have to find ways to connect. And I will be honest, um, there's been times where I feel like I haven't. And that's where some self-reflection comes in. And hopefully people out there have good mentors that can help them. I know I have. And so, yeah, it's, uh, again, relentless improvement, relentless improvement, or at least try to. (laughs) Absolutely. I agree. All right. Back to you. What's been your biggest leadership obstacle since you've taken over as the our director of our podcast and for those of you that that don't know um at home when we first started out this this initiative doug wooliver was the person that kind of helped engineer this stuff from the very beginning we had a lot of great help from mark maben um you were there from the beginning as well and i participated in a lot of the initial interviews but today it is 100 percent your show. You are responsible for everything the show does or doesn't do. Right. Um, you know, and, and from, if you're leading a weekly podcast, for those of you that are out there that run podcasts, you know, the challenges that are behind that everything from booking guests, booking the right guests, are they a diverse group of, of guests? And then all the technical things in terms of, you know, sound editing, all those sorts of things that you own, and then you have show notes and distribution and tying in with our strategic communications team to get it out on Instagram and these other places. It is a huge handful, but you've handled it masterfully. Not to say that, you know, just like I was saying before, we haven't, we've all made our mistakes, but we try to learn from them. What was the biggest obstacle that you faced? And I'm not talking about like technical obstacles. Yeah. I'm talking about like your own personal obstacles and overcoming this stuff. Absolutely. So speaking of the technical obstacles and stuff, that came easy to me. All of these, the audio production, audio editing, mixing, all that stuff. I mean, it was it was never super difficult to me once Doug taught me how to do it. It's It's been pretty much robotic. Where I found the difficulties is leading, directing, and sort of inspiring my team. It's, it's very... From the beginning, it was very difficult because I had, you know, at the very beginning, we had 20 plus people sign up, say they were interested in working on the podcast. And by a couple months later, we were down to like five. I mean, I had a core team of five people I could count on. And so that I did not expect that. I sort of whenever I was going into it, I was imagining a team of 20 people because that's how many people signed up. And so to sort of have to deal with not having that. Um, and having to sort of make those adjustments into how I viewed the podcast, how I, you know, led my leadership style. I mean, we started off, I had a Slack group chat, I had a group me group chat. And by the end, it was just, it was just those me and those five other people sending emails back and forth to each other, which it worked well. It was very, very personal. I got to know them all very well, but it was, it was, it was difficult because I didn't know, 
how I viewed this was supposed to look is very different than how it ended up looking. What did you learn about your own leadership in yeah. that crucible? So I learned that I, from the beginning, I've always had to work on delegation and sort of being assertive and putting my foot down whenever I need to. That's always been very hard for me and it still is. How have you, like, if, so I'm sure there's people out there that had, first off, I'm telling you there's people out there out there that have that same issue. What would be your advice to them? You just have to, you have to think to yourself, all right, I'm here to make sure that this podcast gets done and gets done well. Ultimately, I'm not here to be the best friend and to be, you know, the lovable leader of these five people. If, if at the end of the day, they, you know, you know, I don't want them to resent me, obviously, but if I have to, in order to make the podcast meet those goals that I have for the podcast, you know, do what you have to do ultimately and sort of balancing that with maintaining, you know, good working relationships with the people you're working with, you know, it was, it was very difficult, but. One of, one of the phrases that we have that I think is a, a great one, it's applicable in the civilian world as well that I'm stealing from the military was mission first people always. Yeah. And talking about overcoming those self-imposed limitations that we put on ourselves sometimes, mm -hmm. I feel like if you're a part of a great organization and you believe in the mission and you believe in, you know, and the people that are in it, one way to get out of your own head about either delegation or holding people accountable to things and having those tough conversations is to put the organization's interests above your ego. Right. And to ask yourself, and you just kind of hit on it masterfully, which is like you thought about the podcast and, you know, you put the needs of the podcast over your own individual egos. And if you do those two things, if you if you accomplish a mission and you try to take care of people as best as you can along the way. And by the way, taking care of people sometimes also entails telling them things that they may not want to hear, but that they need to hear. And so if people are slacking or, you know, miss that they're not reliable, it's you as leaders, we have to have those difficult conversations. And here's the other thing. None of those people on your team are getting paid, right? I mean, this is like, they were all doing this out of uh, their free time and stuff. So that's another kind of thing to manage is how do you inspire folks to be a part of what we're doing without those monetary you know, uh, carrots, if you will. How have you done that? I mean, ultimately they're doing this. It's not just out of the, you know, I mean, they, a lot of them just love working on the podcast, but it's, you know, they're doing it for the resume. They're doing it so that they can grow. And I see all of the opportunities that I've been given and all the chances to grow that I've experienced and all these, you know, leadership experiences and growth experiences. And I see those. And I think I, I want to give those to them. So that even if it's not a monetary gain, you're still developing character and as a leader. And so I've tried to, with those people I work with, I mean, the benefits of having a small team of five is that I could, I could, again, they were my peers. So it was a little bit, it was a little bit tricky mentoring them almost. And I don't really see myself as a mentor to them, but just sort of sending opportunities their way and sort of, you know, just allowing them to have that growth that I had. Yeah. Your turn. My turn. So, all right. So you asked what my, my biggest obstacle or setback was. What do you think yours was? Either that or what do you think your biggest, I don't want to say failure, but your biggest. How dare you. Misstep. Misstep, <laughs> misstep in, in the Leadership Institute or, you know, just sort of what difficulties have you, have you experienced these past several years? Besides the pandemic, obviously. Sure, sure. I think 
the biggest obstacle that we faced comes from the fact that there was, you know, the business program had their own model, but that model could not be, you know, replicated, put at scale for, for what we're doing. And so, you know, and then you also had the interdisciplinary component in there. So we had to create a program that would be interdisciplinary, attractive to, you know, just as attractive to a nurse as it would to a, a coder, as it would to a, you know, a marketing and finance major. So I think to me, the, one of the biggest challenges that we faced is how do you create a curriculum like that? And the cool part, which I, I'm attracted to just from my own, how I like to do things was the fact that there was nothing out there that existed like this. So the cool part was there was nothing like this that existed. The terrifying part was there was nothing like this out there that existed. <laughs> so it was literally like kind of creating our own, our own curriculum and trying to, to listen to students as best I could in terms of their feedback and also putting, you know, our own entrepreneurial touches on things. And I think one of the best examples of that, of, of that was the interdisciplinary team projects. For those that don't know about the Institute, when you first come in, we bring those 80 students and we have class every Friday. And in the first semester, we, it is, it used to be, by the way, it used to be, we're changing it this year, um, used to be very kind of luxury based, right? And it's difficult to get a lot of fantastic interaction with 83 kids in a large room. And so one of the challenges and one of the common feedback that we got from students was we want to get our hands dirty. We want to practice leadership. We just don't want to talk about it. And then they also wanted more interdisciplinary interaction. And those, that feedback, I still remember it over Christmas break. I took that feedback and said, well, what can we do? And what was born was the idea of interdisciplinary team projects of getting splitting those 80 students into seven or eight teams of around 10 students each and making them purely interdisciplinary and then giving students some menu items in order to select those ideas and then execute them in a semester long project that has a real world deliverable at the end. And when we did it, it was like, I knew we could make improvements on it. And boy, did we, particularly in the sophomore year. So the sophomore year, for those of you that are of the uninitiated, in the first off, the first year's theme is leading yourself, and the second year's theme is leading others. So after freshmen have that interdisciplinary team project experience in the spring of their freshman year, in the fall of their sophomore year, we expose them to concepts like diversity and talent management, how to have those difficult conversations that we were talking before about, organizational culture. And then all of our students take the DISC behavioral assessment, which tells you what your primary behavioral style is. And then we also have students, we have a class on personal branding where students have to actually put, they have to upload a video of themselves, which I'm sure you enjoyed that, Audrey, that is 90 seconds long and kind of answers the question, why would anyone want to hire you? And so you get a little practice you know, public speaking and seeing yourself on camera and what do you wear and all those sorts of great things. And we give you feedback on that. Well, at the end of the, the fall semester, we have any sophomore gets up and can uh, like Shark Tank pitch an original idea of a project that they want to do over the course of the next semester in the spring with their interdisciplinary team. And so we had the whole class vote on it. And it's fascinating because then those students, when they go home for break, 
We give them access to all those personal branding videos. We give them access to everybody's DISC behavioral assessment. And then we also give them how every student voted, which I guess can be a little awkward when you realize that the person that you wanted to hire on your team did not select your, your, your topic. But then when they come back, we bring only those leaders, which we call CEOs, into a room and we do a draft. And they actually hire via a, a fantasy football draft-like scenario. They, they draft their own teams. They hire their own teams. And then we talk about why did you hire these people in the order that you did? What were you thinking? And it's just a, it's a phenomenal leadership development experience for everybody. So when you ask me like the biggest challenge, the biggest challenge for me is coming up with those projects that remember, this is not for credit. None of our, this is a certificate bearing program. So our students like yourself pour a lot of time and effort into it and you need something out of it. And I think what we owe people out of these experiences is feedback, feedback on how to grow, how to make yourself better. And yeah. So my biggest failure because that's the second part of your question. I mean, I've had a ton. Um, I've, you know, I've, I've gone home some nights and, you know, told my wife, like, man, I, I completely struck out with, with some of these ideas. One of our biggest challenges right now is our structural model is based on associate directors that are part-time. And so for those of you that don't know at home, so I'm the executive director, and then I have associate directors that are populated in each school. With the exception of the Stillman School of Business, which is a full-time position, the rest are fantastic faculty and administrators, but they're doing this in a part-time basis. And that is difficult, especially given my ambition for what we want to do for our students from a time and care and feeding perspective. I, I just talked about feedback. Well, feedback takes time. And so it was manageable, I think, in the first year. When you had like your associate director, uh, shout out to Jimble, had 11 students. Well, now when you're Dean Kaiser, the associate director and the associate dean for the largest school at the university or about 50% of our undergraduates. And now you go from zero students to what will be around 80 students. That's a lot of time. And so that's one of the things that we're, to be honest, I, I've failed at right now is how to figure that out. But that's my kind of summer assignment. All right. I'm throwing it back to you. Are you ready? I'm ready. Kai DeJesus is going to be our next director that follows you. So what is the advice? What's the best advice that you have for her so that she can hit the ground running? I guess this could be also be for, let's make it specific to the podcast. And then we'll talk about, you know, how are you looking at this transfer of, of power, so to speak? Absolutely. So I've been sort of mentoring Kai and having Kai shadow me for the past several weeks. We meet once a week on Thursdays and I've been making sure to CC them on, you know, every email that I send for the podcast just to see. But with the podcast, it's, I feel like it's, it's difficult because you sort of, I was very much thrown into it and I learned along the way. And now that we have sort of a structure, um, we have sort of a method for doing things that, you know, has worked and that we've pretty much used for the past, you know, year, it's very much, you sort of have to learn while you do it. So the next, you know, the next episode we record, you know, in the next couple of weeks to have ready for the fall semester, I was going to have Kai do 
pretty much 100% of it um, just to make sure that there's sort of a trial run to see. And it'll be, you know, low pressure, but to make sure that it's because there's guys on their own next semester. I mean, I'm sure I'll be getting, you know, texts just if there's, you know, if Kai needs any advice or anything, obviously my, you know, my door's open, but yeah. So just, just sort of continuing what I've built. I know Kai has many new ideas. One of them is changing our theme music beneath our intro. And I think, I think, you know, we we could use some fresh music. Sure. I know what Doug pulled was just, was just sort of in the, in the depth from the WSU computer for um, promo beds. Let me throw this question out at you. And I told you that when you compiled the, and edited the 50th special episode, which by the way, for those of you that like our podcast, that 50th special episode, man, like advice per second in that thing um, is just very, very dense, very total dense, but really well edited and kudos to you. And, and I told you that when I heard that episode, it was probably, you know, I'm, I'm proud of a lot of things. And and by the way, I'm going to ask you what you're most proud of. That's going to be the punchline here. But when I looked at that episode and I looked at where we had come from, man, it was like a tangible product of all of the hard work and effort that has gone into this. And I was so, so proud. I remember I teared up and I told my wife when I got home, I, I listened to it and I was walking the dog and uh, like how it was just a, an amazing episode. And so kudos to you for that. So as you leave here, what is, and by the way, Audrey is graduating early for those of you that don't know that. that so not only is she doing podcasts, but she's also going to be a semester early. Yeah, graduating. we're graduating in December. So, come on, don't, yeah. be, don't be humble here. But what is, what are you most proud of, you know, in this, in this journey? I would say it's very similar to yours, just sort of the tangible. I mean, when you're going through it, I remember every single episode, by the way, I remember, you know, the little, the little quirks and the little, you know, moments that I thought were funny moments that I thought were super impactful. I remember, cause I have, to, I mean, I have to edit all of them, which means listening to them, you know, and I'm there for most of them. So that means listening to them, you know, at least twice and then, you know, uploading them. It's it's that each one is so meaningful to me and it's, you know, it's, I think it's how much that I've put of myself, I've put into each one. So like I said, from the beginning, you know, my mindset going into this was I'm going to put everything I have into this. And I'm very proud that that's sort of always been my mindset through this. I'm excited to retire and pass the mantle on because I've gotten so much from this and I'm ready for somebody else to have that opportunity my team that I love, you know, I've the episodes that Shannon did, I'm still very fond of the episodes, the guests that William suggested, the episodes that Allison did that, you know, Peter did. And then obviously all of the sophomores, you know, it's just, I just have so much love for every single episode. And there's quite a few of them um, that, like, I, I think I mentioned that whenever I was making the 50th, I, it was very, <laughs> very emotional for me. Cause I, you know, I was on top of that. I was doing finals. I had a lot going on, but I thought to myself, I, I was like, I have to make this right. I, it has to be the perfect representation of the podcast. I have to, it has to be a work of art. And I just, I put so much of myself into that, my energy into that. And, and I just love it so much. You know, I, I cried while I was making it because it was, I got to kind of go through all of, you know, 50 of 49 of, you know, my babies, all these episodes. <laughs> um, you know, I remember I, it's getting to recall all of them. I mean, there were, there were certain times because I, what I did for the 50th, if you haven't listened, is I went back and I found best of clips. 
And in my mind, you know, I had several set aside for sort of leading up to that, that I, cause I knew it was going to make the episode, but I had others that I was like, that was maybe episode eight. I think it was Jack Shannon that I was like, I remember being there for that interview and I remember what he said and i I want I want that in there. So just being able to recall everything, you know, it's it's all it was all just just going going through that again. It was like walking through a tunnel of, you know, my memories of being in, in school and, you know, everything that was going on with me while that episode went out, whether it was good or bad. It's just, you know, it's just a living thing. These all these episodes, they're a living body of their own. So I, I think just just having this you know, the podcast as a whole is a very tangible thing. It's out there. People are listening. We have, you know, people downloading. It's, I get to sort of sit back and look at all of my hard work. And I'm, so that's probably what I'm most proud of. One of the things that um, I'm going to embarrass you now is like, you led by example. And I think one of the, the true mark of a fantastic leader is somebody who is able to put others before themselves and sometimes almost to a detriment with you. But you really like when you say you you poured your heart and soul into this, you did. And you you get to reap the rewards. Right. Um, Look at what you've created. And I love your mindset when you're talking about handing over the reins to to Kai, who, again, is going to put her own stamp on it and have some fantastic ideas. But there's a saying that, you know, great leaders are not missed. They're remembered. And like you want to make sure that when you leave, like the great mark of a leader is not that everything goes to hell in a handbasket after you are no longer in charge, but that it's, you know, the train just gets better. That's probably the best compliment to a leader is like, is when things, you know, continue to improve. And uh, yeah, I, it's so funny. I'm looking at you in the, in the, in the studio there where literally it all began and uh, what a fantastic journey it's, it's been. So, so kudos. If you had to pick one or two traits that you've learned at the Institute in terms of leadership that you think are going to be most in demand when you are on the job market, what are those one or two things that you're going to really bring with you? Well, the first one that I've definitely gained, like I said, I think whenever you ask sort of how my leadership has changed from then to now, and I said, now I'm just, I I see myself as capable, Um, definitely confidence. That was something I struggled with for a very long time. pretty much up until recently, you know, I've started getting the hang of it, but I don't know if that's going to be in demand or not. I mean, I'd imagine it's, it's always in vogue. It's always in vogue. Yeah. It's always, it's always in style confidence, but that's, that's a big one is, you know, like, I think you, so earlier you mentioned that I was not a fan of the, the big interview, basically the, the 92nd, you know, describe why somebody should hire you. The personal branding video. I yeah. did. I did a terrible job. I didn't do a very good job. I had a really nice background setup, but other than that, I was I was pretty modest. And that's something that the podcast has given me sort of the strength to. Because obviously, I've been applying to internships. I actually scored one. I, I don't think I've told you yet. I'll be this summer. I'll be interning with the production department of WDHA, The Rock of New Jersey. I don't know if you're familiar with that. Yeah, congrats. Um, <laughs> that's awesome. Yes, yeah, so I'm. I'm super stoked to be working with them this summer. But I think that you know. Whenever I saw that email from Mr. Maven, he sent out just to let us know that the opportunity was out there. I immediately went for it. And I think my confidence in my abilities, I mean, obviously my abilities have been shaped and, you know, I've acquired them through the podcast and through the radio station. But the confidence that, you know, even if it's something that I'm not too sure of, you know, I might have to learn along the way. 
it's I have the confidence that I that I'll be able to do it because I've I'm capable of putting my whole self into something and learning along the way and making something fantastic. Last question for me would be so what would be your advice to that college student out there that's coming on to Seton Hall's campus in their freshman year and they have an opportunity like this in front of them but they might be listening to those the negative voice on their shoulder saying, don't do it, don't do it. What would be your advice? My advice is just to say yes. I mean, specifically with Seton Hall, my favorite thing that I've, I've thought this and said this since freshman year is that opportunities are handed to you. You just have to say yes and accept them. And if it's something that, you know, you're not a hundred percent sure of, I told you that in my application that, you know, I, I, I'd worked on, similar things in high school, but they were really nothing like this. I mean, it was, I was very much learning along the way, but that if you put everything you are into something, not only will you create something fantastic, but you will get to see how much you really can do, how much you really can be. So, and an experience like this is, it's, you know, it's, I think it's vital to, especially when you're in college and you're sort of figuring yourself out and you're, you know, learning how how the world operates basically something like this is just it's say yes say yes take it and learn along the way i love it i'll leave you with one more opportunity here which is is there any you know which folks out there do you want to give thanks to in terms of you know as your one of your farewells here um as the director of the podcast um any folks that you wanted to give uh, shout outs to i want to thank my entire team past and present Every guest we've ever spoken with, Dr. Kimball, Dean Yates, Professor Rondinella, Mr. Mabin, and WSOU, my mom always, and you, Dr. Price, for giving me this wonderful opportunity and believing in me even when I sometimes didn't believe in myself. Well, we're all proud of you, Audrey, and congrats on a fantastic run as our director of the podcast. And it's been, you know, one of the proudest things that I've seen is to watch you grow as a leader. And I really, really hope you maintain contact with the Institute so that uh, we can use you as a poster child for <laughs> success. And I hope you revel in the success of the podcast and the Institute as we, as we move forward. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. All right. I think this is so weird. Do you sign yeah. off? Do I, I don't know. <laughs> I, I guess I'll sign off because I sort of did the intro. All right. Well, I am Audrey Pennington signing off my last podcast ever. Thank you so much to everyone who has ever been had a hand in the podcast or been a guest on the podcast and to our listeners thank you so much we will see you in the fall peace